Hey, I'm Robbie Kramer. You're listening to the Leverage Podcast, where we discuss using your social skills to hack dating, travel, finding your dream job, and becoming a complete man. Hey guys, welcome back. We have a very special guest on today, Tom King from Gaigon Keto. And uh, Tom is a personal development wonk, uh, part biohacker geek, and part self-proclaimed serial entrepreneur. I like to think of myself as uh, definitely a geek and serial entrepreneur as well. (laughs) (laughs) And in uh, 1999, Tom founded Steviva Brands, which is now known as Icon Foods. And his mission is to provide consumers with a healthy alternative to sugar, uh, which also led him to embracing a ketogenic diet and roll out an entire line of keto condiments. That's called Gaigon Keto. Uh, he sent me a sample of the stuff. It's amazing. Uh, and I'm also currently on the keto diet as well as my brother. Uh, so this timing of the interview couldn't be any better. So thanks for being here, Tom. Robbie, I appreciate it. Um, thanks for the intro. And yeah, let's let's dive in. I've always been really interested in food and I've struggled Mm -hmm. with my weight. You know, I was a fat kid growing up um, Mm -hmm. and just the science of food. So when I, you know, learned about your bio and how you actually created, you know, these sort of condiments, I found that really fascinating. So yeah, give us your story. Um, It's yeah. Well, I got into the sweetener business by, I, I guess you could say serendipity. So I was living in Arizona at the time and I ran into this guy. He was like, he, he was, he used to go to on these trips to the jungles and he would find various types of herbs and stuff like that. And his name was Jim May. And I think Jim May is sort of the OG of Stevia. Um, and cause when I met him, he just brought it back from Paraguay and he's like, check out this, this, um, this little jar of, of paste that I've got. And I tasted it and it was, it was crazy. It was like probably 25 times sweeter than sugar. Um, and I was like, Whoa, there, you know, and he tried to explain to me how there was no sugar in it. And that was, that was the rabbit hole. That was me taking the red pill. And I, I, I was like fascinated by how these sort of sweet constituents could could be in plants and fruits and stuff like that that we that not a lot of people know about like people know about sugar you know because you know it's everywhere and and fructose because that's what's in fruit um but there's this whole leather world of like sweetening compounds that people don't know about so at that point i was like wow somebody could just take this you know this extract and actually um you know, develop it and use it as a replacement for NutraSweet, which was aspartame at the time. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what I did. So I just started on this quest of how to, how to release those, you know, the sweet parts of those leaves into an extract that could be used. And it's just, it's been this quest ever since, like finding out like the variety of different sweeteners that exist in, in nature and how we can harness those and how we can make different blends of them that manufacturers can then use to, you know, make products that are keto friendly or, you know, have less or no sugar at all. So I have a personal question because I had a horrible experience um, with aspartame, which I think is the main ingredient for sweetener and diet Coke. Yeah, aspartame is an interesting thing. And so let me ask you this question. So you had an interesting experience with aspartame. So aspartame is 
is created from phenylalanine, so which is an amino acid. And so if somebody suffers from uh, uh, PKU, um, which is a, the inability to be able to, um, to actually metabolize phenylalanine, it can put you into a coma. It can give you headaches. It can cause all sorts of havoc. Was that what you experienced? I was experienced as constant urination, oh. like a ridiculous amount. And I was also like a diet Coke, uh, what do they call them? Diet Coke head. Um, <laughs> and so this was when I was like growing up because my mm -hmm. mom replaced mm -hmm. you know, regular Coke with diet Coke. Yeah. So right. we all got hooked on diet Coke and it just led to a ton of like bladder issues and all sorts of stuff. And mm -hmm. I just thought it was normal, but you know, little did I, I was, I was drinking six or seven diet Cokes per meal, you know, free refills. They were just going right. down. And then it wasn't until like the end of, uh, you know, when, when I graduated from university that I was like, okay, maybe there's something going on here. So I cut the diet Coke and all the problems went away, but that's when I realized like, wow, some of the, you know, the stuff that is supposedly mm -hmm. healthy is really not, um, it, it, it's not, and it's not stable under heat too. So like if you heat it, it can turn into formaldehyde. So there, and a lot of the, I mean, cause I get the same thing with Diet Coke. Like I can't drink Diet Coke. If I drink Diet Coke, I, I'll be going to the bathroom every, you know, every 10 minutes. And, right. you know, and so I did ask my, my health practitioner about that. And he, he told me that the combination of artificial sweeteners and carbonation actually um is a bladder irritant and so oh, okay. your body tries to get rid of it and that's i mean yeah mm -hmm. i wouldn't drink it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel great when i don't drink it. i still love it but yeah i, just stay I know it's amazing <laughs> like you know what's funny is i'm i'm actually writing this research paper right now on a variety of uh of different sweeteners and there was a guy that actually there was there was a pro this a professor a PhD who worked for Coca-Cola and worked for him for decades. And his, his specialty was, um, was sweeteners. And so I've been, you know, using a lot of his work and a lot of other people's work in, in, you know, in a variety of different sweeteners, his name's Grant Dubois. And he's, he's like the godfather of sweeteners. And when I was rolling through like his research papers, it's so interesting to see like the process that they used in developing diet Coke. Like they have, you know, a different array of sweeteners and compounds that are actually made to sort of trick your palate, you know, like, wow, mm -hmm. you know, this tastes exactly like sugar and diet Coke is amazing. Like I, yeah. I, I actually find it to be better than regular Coke. Like same, it's just, <laughs> it's lighter. It's just has this amazing, um, you know, this amazing flavor to it. Um, but, you know, the thing that I realized is that, you know, when you put those kind of compounds, those artificial compounds in, you know, in a beverage like that, and then you consume it, you know, you're, you have the benefit of, you know, of calorie abatement. So you're not getting all of those calories, right? right. But what happens is your body doesn't know what, what you just introduced to it because it's not, it's not, a, a function of nature, right? Like you don't find aspartame in nature or sucralose in nature. So your body, you know, your body analyzes it and it's like, okay, so it's sweet. Um, this must be sugar. So your brain actually creates a little bit of an insulin response to it. So while you're saving all of those calories, um, 
your body still, you know, your metabolism still functions as though you had sugar, which I right. find infinitely interesting. Yeah, it's so crazy. And it's, it's interesting how there's so many ways that you can modify, you know, modify food that will have a totally different effect. But it, you know, the way that food is marketed to us is from, from my experience, like pretty crazy. Like I, I think I got in trouble growing up, you know, it was like an eighties kid, nineties mm -hmm. kid, um, on, it was like the fat free craze, but that was oh. just all sugar. <laughs> so right. it's like, everything was fat free. My mom would bring home these fat free Entenmann's, you know, cakes mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of crap like that. And, uh, but it was, it was, we all got really fat from all the extra sugar, which I, I <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems to be what was going on there. Right. Yeah. And I think in the seventies and eighties, there was like a, um, a collection of, of, uh, uh, of scientists and food technologists that actually had written papers on behalf of the sugar industry, vilifying fat, you know, like fat mm -hmm. is what makes you fat and sugar is what gives you energy. And so, I mean, that's where like in the eighties, you saw a lot of products come out like, Hey, you know what? Oreos are fat free. They're now fat free. And <laughs> even to the point to where there was a, a product called Alestra that came out, I think in the nineties, and it it was a it, it was a it, it was a modified fat molecule that your body wouldn't metabolize the fat. So it's like, hey, you can have potato chips now. <laughs> you can have all of these things without you know without your body absorbing the fat. And then in the small little cliff notes along the bottom, it said may cause oily stool. <laughs> so no big deal. Which, it's not a big deal if you you know bending over picking something up and you right. know, and you feel a sudden burst when you're sliding into first. Right. But it's but it's like yeah and I and and since then they've you know Alester is not even a thing like no people are are buying it but for maybe like a six month period people were on that big craze until you know the side effects of Alestra kicked in but it was still it was still that sort of naivete of of like sugar gives you energy fat makes you fat and right. which is completely the opposite now i mean people realize that that is a, is a great source of energy um and that sugar is what makes you fat because it triggers a metabolic response right and what is it i was always, i'm always curious maybe you have the answer to this why so essentially the the body um when like bread carbs um especially mm -hmm. like um uh starchy foods or mm -hmm. um what's the word like processed carbs those kind of act right. in the same way as sugar is that correct they're processed similar similarly uh, uh -huh. but they the thing is that if you look at the glycemic response like, like that term when people hear, oh, that's high glycemic, I'm, I'm avoiding high glycemic carbohydrates, right? And so the difference is how, how quickly your body metabolizes the carbohydrates that are in a particular food. Like if you eat white rice, like white rice, will, you'll metabolize it super quickly. And so that that will bring on an insulin response. If you're eating something like a very cruciferous vegetable, like, um, uh, like broccoli or cauliflower, 
So those have a low glycemic response, which means you can eat them, you know, and your body, it takes a while for your body to metabolize those. And then, so your, your body releases insulin slower. Um, that's the biggest difference. Like if you eat stuff that's high glycemic, like popcorn and uh, potato chips and things like that, I mean, those are the things that will spike your, you know, spike your blood sugar levels in some cases, um, you know, if you have, you know, metabolic issues, but that's the big difference. It's just how fast your body metabolizes them. Gotcha. So how did, how did you come across like the keto diet? Were you struggling with mm. your weight or give us a little backstory on your kind of health issues, <laughs> if you don't mind? <laughs> well, I grew up as a fat kid, you mm -hmm. know? Um, I, and what's interesting is I, I even remember like how it happened. Like my parents, when I was like maybe 10, 11, I, I think I was about 11 years old, sent me to go live with my uh, grandparents for the, you know, for the summer. Um, so they could get away from me, I suppose. <laughs> and, and so my, my grandmother loved her. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. She was one of those women that would, you know, you, you come into her house and she wants you to sit down and she just feeds you, you know, like, yeah. here you go. Here's a bowl of ice cream. Her big thing was cereal. And she's mm -hmm. like, here's cereal big bowl of cereal and she'd put cream on it. It wasn't milk. It was just cream. And so it wasn't keto because of the <laughs> cereal. And so my body is metabolizing carbohydrates and it's like, uh, we're going to put this fat aside for right now. We're going to go through these, these carbohydrates because they're easier to metabolize. So at 11 years old, I came back from Wisconsin and my mom cried. I didn't wow. fit into any of my own clothes. You know, I gained about 20 pounds. I was super fat, like doughy. And <laughs> that's how I came back. And yeah. what's interesting is that after that, before that point, I had no weight issues whatsoever. Like I was just a skinny kid. Mm -hmm. After that, I couldn't seem to get my weight under control. And part of it was, you know, part of it was I was introduced to that food, right? I was like, now my body craved it. And so every chance that I would get when I was a mm -hmm. kid, I'd sneak cookies. I'd sneak, you know, like bowls of cereal, like a stoner and just like mm -hmm. nonstop, you know, feeding myself carbohydrates. And I just kept getting heavier and heavier. And so by the time I got out of college, I was really, you know, I was battling like a yo-yo weight thing. So I would you know, I'd put on pound, I'd get up to 238 pounds, you know, and 40 inch waist. And then I would use diet as sort of this modality to get my weight down. That's when I stumbled upon Atkins, which is sort of the precursor mm -hmm. for, for keto. And so that's what I did. I would just like eat pizza, drink beer, do the things that, you know, that I wanted to do that I thought gave me pleasure. And then I would use Atkins as sort of this modality to shed the weight but what happens mm. is i still had the yo-yo weight right but mm -hmm. the yo-yo weight i would get my weight down but it would just go up a little higher and then down a little higher and the then the trend was kind of like it, this. the trend line was definitely going up uh -huh. and so i sort of hit a wall i was in vegas for a trade show and one of our vendors asked me to dinner which means I can order anything I want off the menu. 
as much as I want. <laughs> and I had a ribeye and a baked potato and cake and wine. And I got up, I got back up to my room and, and, you know, I, I just, I, I looked in the mirror and I saw an imposter, you know, because mm-hmm. I work with, you know, keto brands and, you know, tons of like low carb companies and sugar free companies, but I just wasn't living the lifestyle. And when I looked in the mirror, I saw a person who, you know, who talked a, a big game, but didn't walk a very good game. And my blood pressure was like 190 over 99. Uh, I was carrying about 35 pounds of extra weight. I, in the afternoons, I'd have this big sort of energy slump. And I think at that point, what happened is, is the pain of like who I'd become and the pain of like, you know, high blood pressure and metabolic disease and stuff like that. The pain of that sort of exceeded the pleasure that I was getting from, you know, from eating, you know, the high carb, high sugar foods. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always been a big fan of journaling. And at that point I was like, Hey, you know what? I need to make a lifestyle change. And I started writing it down, you know, like mm-hmm. I live by this philosophy of think it and ink it. So I yeah. started writing what my experience was. Right. And why well, so you would keep start- a log of the food and how you felt about it. Oh, I was like, yeah, I was a freak about data collection. Like yeah. I would say, look, if I'm going to make a, if I, I'm not going to diet anymore, like mm-hmm. diets are, are bullshit. Like they, they're temporary. Like they, yeah. th- it's like the bandaid that you put on. If you, if you really want to, to lose weight, to feel better, you know, or, or any area of your life, that's a bit of a disaster, you know, you you have to make a commitment to a lifestyle change. And right. so that's what I did. I just committed to this lifestyle change. I started writing it down. I took I weighed myself every single day. I checked my blood sugar levels every single day, blood pressure every single day. Like I did this and I charted it, you know, right. and I charted different things that I would do. Like I would, um, you know, if I introduced beta hydroxybutyrate into my diet, like to try, try to drive my keto lower. Like, what did I feel? What was, you know, how was my brain activity? And, you know, I introduced a lot of stuff that's sort of, I guess, questionable, you know, like I really got into the whole biohacking thing, like nootropics, like how can I expand how my brain is functioning? And I really documented the whole, the whole process along with charting my weight loss. And what I found is that it didn't take, but maybe four to six months and I lost 35 pounds. And wow. so a lot of people would say, Hey, that's the success story there. Right. Mm-hmm. That wasn't <laughs> the success mm-hmm. story was brain function and my mm-hmm. energy levels. Like my energy levels were crazy. Like I had great energy. I was able to go to the gym. I didn't have an afternoon slump, you know, my, you know, cognitive abilities got a lot better. Um, you know, and while I was going through it, that journal actually turned into a book and took it to a publisher. And, you know, it, it was number one on Amazon for like a millisecond, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that so the whole process was just like, wow, that's how you make a lifestyle. What's the, what's the change. book name? Guy Gone Keto. Guy Gone Keto. OK. So, <laughs> so Guy Gone sure. Keto. <laughs> yeah. So Guy Gone Keto was the book. And. And so a lot of people, you know, that, that I talked to are, like, oh, you, you wrote, wrote a book on keto. And I'm like, 
well, it's not really a book on keto as much as it's a, it's, it's my own confession of, Mm -hmm. you know, being an imposter in this industry. But the bigger part is how to, how to find the discipline to make a permanent lifestyle change. And, and that's what, you know, I, I think that's the essence of the book. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I get feedback on it. Like, where are all your recipes? And it's like, just go online. It's like, yeah, exactly. You want to find a keto <laughs> recipe? It's the number one search term in Google. Just type right. it in. Um, and that sort of led to the condiments then, you know, and the condiments, like people are like, oh, that was a great idea. Well, it was a selfish idea because I uh. couldn't have ketchup. I couldn't have teriyaki. I couldn't have any of the sauces that I wanted because they were so full of sugar. Right. Um, and a lot of people like with ketchup, you know, people put a bunch of ketchup on their hamburger or whatever. And yeah. they don't realize that, that ketchup has more sugar than ice cream. It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. And it's like, so yeah, barbecue sauce, teriyaki barbecue, sauce, like all, all this stuff, it. like you don't even think about it. You just, you know, when I eat, if I go to McDonald's and, uh, you know, I try not to, but if I, if I do go, I'm going to order probably five or six barbecue sauces just for one yeah. large fry. And that's right. probably more sugar than the fries. So, it has definitely uh, more sugar <laughs> than the fries. But so when I discovered that, you know, when I really started doing a deep dive into where the, all the added sugars were, I mean, that the whole Gigon Keto brand of condiments was selfish. It was like, yeah, I want this for myself and nobody else is making it. And I mean, one of my friends just told me like, well, why don't you, why don't you package this and sell it? That's the business you're in. And I'm like, mm-hmm. genius. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so I did. And now it's just been a constant stream of innovation like adding more condiments we've got a line of uh, of cocktail sauces cocktail syrups that are coming out because i like to drink occasionally and mm. but you can't have a margarita because they're right. so loaded with sugar and so i'm like well i can solve that you know because i i don't think that a shot of tequila is going to hurt anybody right so. well isn't i've heard mixed mixed reviews on mm. this some people's like alcohol Mm-hmm. I've heard tequila is okay on keto, but other alcohol isn't, or it's all okay on keto. Um, what, what's the deal with that? So here's the thing with alcohol. Alcohol will knock you out of keto, but it will okay. knock you out of keto briefly. So here's, so, so alcohol is ethanol, right? I mean, that's, that's the chemical name It's ethanol. And it's just like a sugar, your, your liver metabolizes it. And it, it's such a highly concentrated form of sugar that your, your body, your liver is not able to metabolize it entirely. So that's why you get drunk. Like if we were just, if our liver was like, oh yeah, I got this, I got this, you probably wouldn't get drunk. But the more, you know, the more that you overload your liver, the drunker that you get because the, you know, the, your liver is unable to metabolize everything you're throwing at it. So if you have a drink, you know, like, just make it straight alcohol or dry red wine. Cause that's going to have mm-hmm. the least amount of sugar, but like one shot, it'll knock you out of keto for, for a minute. Cause your liver is going to be busy metabolizing that ethanol, but you'll bounce right back into keto. So it's not one of those things like you're eating a bunch of, uh, you know, you're eating a bunch of pasta or something that's going to, you know, wreck you for a couple of days. It's right. definitely going to throw you out. It, is it good for you? No. Like, I'll just tell you straight up, alcohol is not good for you. It's poisonous. <laughs> and, <Yeah. clears throat> and 
one thing that's interesting interesting too is that the things that it does to your sleep like sleep is the most sort of regenerative thing that we've got like it's just that's what rebuilds us that's what helps us flush out all the you know used up peptides in our brain and stuff like that but what happens is if you when you drink alcohol it disrupts your sleep you're not able to get enough deep sleep and it also what's super interesting is it raises your um resting heart rate which can you know which also is an indicator of stress so i'm not advocating people going out and getting hammered but you know what? I, I like a glass of whiskey once in a while. I like a margarita once in a while. And, you know, um, I guess I'd rather be a good liver than have one. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, when I'm on keto now and, um, you know, the few times I've been out in the last couple of months, um, I've been testing my, uh, my pee with those pee strips or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed that, you know, I'll have, a few shots of whatever tequila or something. And, Mm -hmm. and then that night I won't be, you know, in ketosis, but then Mm -hmm. the following morning I will be. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, as you mentioned, like if I eat pasta or rice or something like that, I'm out of it for a few days. Yeah. Yeah. It's not booze isn't good for you, but I'd Mm -hmm. say that it's better for you than a donut. Yeah. (laughs) What, (laughs) so what's, what about the, do you have anything to say about those, um, those pee strips? Are those effective? They stop working after a while. I heard, I heard a myth about that. Um, I don't generally use pee strips. I mean, Mm -hmm. pee strips will give you an, give you an idea whether you're in keto or out of keto. I think that if you practice keto long enough, you can tell when you are, it's generally like you get a, you get a particular taste in your mouth. That's, Mm -hmm. that's almost sweet, like alcohol and those are ketones. But Mm. if you start recognizing, you know, your body's sort of natural functions when you're in keto, you probably don't even need to use the strips. The strips are not that accurate. Um, probably the best thing that you could use is like a, uh, is a, is blood. So you can use like a blood glucose monitor. Some of those, uh, some of those will also test for ketones when you use ketone Mm -hmm. strips. And I think that Keto Mojo, like Keto Mojo is a really, really good one. Um, I got one of these at a trade show one time and it's super accurate. And I think if you're going hardcore with it and I don't know if it's anything that you would do every single day if you're just, if it's not an an obsession of yours, like for Mm -hmm. me, you know, jumping into it and doing all the data collection, I wanted to know exactly what my 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 ketone levels were so i did blood strips um but i i I don't think it's necessary i think that once you adapt yourself you kind of know when you're in and out of keto right what about um so another thing that i tried back in the day Mm -hmm. um and i I measured my body fat before and after i did tim ferris's slow carb diet oh nice which i think is basically keto except it also has beans if i'm correct Mm -hmm. um and uh I mean, I didn't lose any weight because I was tracking my weight mm-hmm. and I was also tracking my, um, my body fat, but I did lose according to the test. Um, I think I lost like 6% body fat. Wow. And yeah, like, I mean, I was, I was around 30% when I started. Yeah. Um, and I, I lost 60 pounds, um, in about That's a lot. Yeah. I lost, and it was fast. I lost in about a hundred days. Um, wow. 
back in 2011, but I started off basically just doing like super low carb, no sugar, no mm -hmm. processed foods. Mm -hmm. And then halfway through, I was like, this is really, this is horrible because <laughs> right. I was basically just eating, you know, egg whites and, and chicken breast all day. Mm -hmm. Um, so I switched to the, the slow carb and I definitely lost fat according to mm -hmm. the test during that period, which was, mm -hmm. I don't know, like six weeks or something, but yeah. um, I didn't lose any weight. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was curious about that. If you have any thoughts. I do. <laughs> and so slow carb, I, I like slow carb and I, I think that it's, uh, I, I think it's super effective. And as far as like keto goes, like keto, keto is not for everybody. So I don't want to like have people think that keto is the end all of every, you know, of every diet or every lifestyle that you're going to see. Um, so I practiced keto hardcore for probably three years, like never going out of keto and wow. never happened, cheat meals. No, like, uh, no, I started out with cheat meals though. And huh. that was like, what a hot mess inside of a burning dumpster. So it was like, it was like, so I would go like all week and then Sunday, Sunday, all hell would break loose. Like uh, I, there was a, oh, it was, <laughs> it was a real cheat day. Like uh -huh. I'd have a hamburger and French fries and pie and beer. And like, I would just literally just be gluttonous about it and then go home and fall asleep. Uh -huh. And it took me probably three solid days to get back into keto, you know, where you're going to practice keto, when you're going to be in keto after that for maybe three days and then back into a cheat day. So what I found is that it had no effect. Like it just mm -hmm. didn't. I mean, I reversed every, um, I reversed every gain that I was, I was making. And that's, that was where I really started to realize that it, you have to make a, a lifestyle shift. Um, but with that said, you know, I did solid keto for three years and then I, I wanted to really cut, you know, like I really wanted to lose like maybe an extra seven to 10 pounds. And what happened is that I couldn't lose it. Like mm -hmm. I was, I'd fast, you know, I'd get close, but then after the fast was over, I, all that weight would come back and it's probably mostly, um, water anyway but I, yeah. I was finding that i How couldn't long were you lose. fasting um i usually did a 48 hour fast so i would start on friday night and then get back on food about one on uh monday so mm -hmm. i mean those are those are easy fasts like a lot of people dread the f word um i like it i love fasting it it's not anything i would do during the week you know because you do have to hang low sometimes but mm -hmm you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy how I feel afterwards. And, you know, it's not so tough if you do it over a weekend and you have to realize too, half the time that you're fasting, you're sleeping. So right. <laughs> I've been using intermittent fasting for the past mm. about a year, about a year. And yeah, I feel great. I, I typically do mm -hmm. 16 to 18 hours. Um, yeah. I haven't done the full two day fast that you're talking about, but mm -hmm. towards the end of a fast, you know, I'll stop eating it six in the afternoon and yeah. around like noon or two the next day, I really start to feel a lot of energy. Um, mm -hmm. especially if I work out at that time, but, yeah. um, so when you were, you know, and, and I was, my idea in my head is like, you know, keto will get me down to a certain level, but I, I'll still feel like I'll have this body fat. That's kind of what the, the, 
I've still like had love handles or had areas where I haven't been able to lose. And my mm -hmm. thought process is always like, okay, if I can just maintain a steady amount of like intermittent fasting, it should take care of that. Is that, is that what you're talking about a bit or? Yeah, that's, that's, well, I, you, I tried intermittent, I, I integrate, I mean, I still do intermittent fasting, but, mm -hmm. but the one thing that I found that was pretty effective for me is cycling in and out of keto. So, you know, I ran into a friend of mine, Mark Sisson at a, at an event. Is like, I, I, I know Mark, I saw him speak uh, a while back at a conference. So, yeah. He's, he's awesome. He, he, he does not, he does not pull any punches. So, no. <laughs> so I saw him and I'm like, geez, I don't know what to do with this. It's like, I've been doing keto for like three and a half years. I still have five to 10 pounds that I just really want to lose to get cut. Um, and he's like, well, he's like, you obviously don't have any uh, metabolic, metabolic flexibility. And I'm like metabolic flexibility. And so that took me down another sort of rabbit hole. And then it, it was that. And then wind sprints, he's like, do wind sprints. So I think high intensity workouts like wind sprints, um, things where you get your heart rate up for, you know, a short period of time and you just keep hitting it. I think those, I think that helps, but also what helped me is cycling off of keto, which sounds frightening because then you got to get back into it and your body, you know, your body adapts to having carbs, you know, mm -hmm. which means that, you know, your microbiome shifts a little bit and that creates carb cravings afterwards. But, you know, I would introduce like black soybeans. I would introduce like uh, sweet potatoes and yams and stuff like that. Um, I think so that that's going what, like crazy carbs. You're doing still like healthier. Oh yeah. Food. It was never mm -hmm. bread and French fries and baked potatoes. I mean, it was never our pasta. It was never anything like that, but I did introduce, you know, some higher glycemic carbohydrates, you know, like, mm -hmm. the, like, like sweet potatoes and yams and, and that, that broke it. I mean, it, I still like, Right now, I have what I'm calling COVID weight mm -hmm. because I can. <laughs> it's probably <Right>. just like <laughs> it's winter. And so I put on like eight pounds, you know, in the past, in the past year since COVID, mm -hmm. you know, because it's harder to go to the gym. It's easier to self-medicate, you know, right. and self-medication can be alcohol or beer. Like beer is like that's kryptonite for me because if I get home, you know, it's like, well, oh, I made it through another day and I don't have the itis. And it's a reward. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause everybody's yeah. at war right now. It's like, we're just yeah. trying to survive. And so you get home and it's like crack a beer. So, I mean, I'm, I don't think it's worth beating yourself up over, you know, like a lot of people are like, oh my God, I ate a carb and, you know, now I'm going to start cutting. Um, I don't think it, I don't think you should t take anything to that extreme. So, yeah. so I'm carrying about eight pounds of extra weight. I don't really like it, but I know now that I can use keto to get that weight off. And, you know, I, I know that I can do it. Like I have the confidence that this isn't going to be sticking around forever, but right. also, but going back to the point of metabolic flexibility, I think it's just smart to cycle off of keto maybe every six to eight weeks and have a week where you're eating carbs, 
don't go crazy with the carbs. No donuts, no pizza. <laughs> Just people are going to hear that. Be like, yeah, yeah <laughs> straight like, to Krispy Kremes. <laughs> exactly. So don't, yeah, don't do that, but you can start adding some carbs in. And what you're going to find is your body is able to shift easier from burning, you know, glucose to back to burning fat. So the carb cycling or the keto cycling, mm -hmm. um, that's every six to eight weeks. I, that's what I do. I mean, and I've uh -huh. also, but every, you know, keto is like, if you get, if you get five people in a room that do keto, you're going to have seven opinions. So, I mean, everybody's <laughs> got a different opinion on things. Like I've run into a, a, a fairly substantial contingency of people that believe that, um, that keto carnivore is the way to go. And, but that's so counterintuitive to what keto is because if you have too much protein, um, if you eat too much protein, you're, 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 you'll throw yourself out of keto. Um, oh, really? I know. Yeah. Because your body is unable to metabolize that much, uh, that much protein. And so when it gets metabolized, your body stores it as glycogens. So it's actually saving it in your muscles as sugar, you know, that you can use, huh. use later. So that's why, so a standard uh, ketogenic diet is 70% fat, 20% um, protein, and then 10% low gly glycemic carbs. So, I mean, I've run into many people have been, oh, you're the guy who eats meat and cheese all the time. That's not true. <laughs> it's like if I ate meat and cheese all the time, I'd be totally out of keto because I'd be storing up all of the glycogens in my muscle. The, the most important thing is getting enough fat, like avocados and salmon and nuts and, you know, a variety of different oils, like olive oil. Just eat, eat olive oil. It's, it's, it's good for you. So just uh, um, put on salads or take shots or, uh, <laughs> you could take a shot sometimes. of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that it, that would hurt you taking, I, I think it would be mm -hmm. good for you taking a shot of, uh, of all olive oil. I mean, those are really good fats. Like fish oil is really good fat. I think the more good fat that you get, um, the healthier that you're going to be like your body is, is also going to satiate you. So you're not going to be hungry. I mean, that's the beauty yeah. of, of keto is it's got so much fat in it that you just never feel hungry. Um, right. you know, I've been, I've been, uh, eating so many avocados, um, mm. especially down here in Mexico. I love guacamole. So I'm just making guacamole basically, you know, almost every day. Um, nice. <laughs> and, uh, is there any danger to eating too much avocado or that? I don't think so. I mean, okay, you could good. put them in smoothies. I mean, you mm -hmm. need to make sure that you're getting enough fiber. I mean, avocados have some fiber, not a ton of fiber, but avocados are almost a perfect food. You know, yeah. and if you're putting other things in it, you know, like chopped up onions and tomatoes and cilantro, I'm getting hungry now. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're adding things to it and you put it on some salad or you, you know, you're making sure that you're getting, you know, getting enough fiber and then, you know, have some protein in there like chicken breast or not chicken thighs, steak, whatever, you know, whatever mm -hmm. protein source that you got, you're, you're going to be in fine shape. I stick with the guac though. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off there. What were you saying uh, before I interjected about the guac? I forgot. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think you're just talking about getting enough fats. And Oh, um, yeah, that's key. Mm -hmm. Getting enough fat. Oh, I remember it was um, it, it was uh, keto carnivore. Right. And everybody's got a different opinion because some people are like, well, how about dirty keto? And I'm not even really sure that dirty keto has a definition. 
um, people throw it out there for adding things into a keto diet that aren't keto um, or eating foods that that are packaged that mm-hmm. claim to be keto. Um, keto carnivore, I've had a lot of people tell me keto carnivore is really the way to go. Counterintuitive. I tried keto carnivore for like a week. I did lose a lot of weight, um, mm-hmm. like seven pounds in one week going keto carnivore. But I don't think that the... I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze because you do get some side effects from it, like uh, gastrointestinal issues that are, mm. it's just not worth it, you know? Yeah. Eat a balanced diet. And keto carnivore is just pure meat, right? There's yeah, no, no cheese either, just meat? Um, I think you can eat cheese on it. I think they try to get you to refrain from it, but it's mostly red meat too, like steaks. Right. Like, it's like a big steak every day, right? <laughs> probably <laughs> My buddy was than, doing it. Right. Oh yeah, I've seen people yeah. eat three three ribeyes in one day, and it's like Jesus. not sure the, that that's good for you. Yeah, I mean, my mom always she we have like a, a high cholesterol that runs in the family, so she's mm. always kind of like, "Are you sure your cholesterol is not high? You're eating a lot of eggs and a lot of meat. <laughs> like, is there is there anything? Because I've heard these myths about there's good cholesterol, there's bad cholesterol. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are like egg, you know, egg yolks are good for you, but other mm-hmm. people say they're bad. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, cholesterol can be can be an issue, um, but I don't think it's as big of an issue as as what people might think. Um, your body utilizes cholesterol. I mean, it's sort of almost like vitamin D in a way that it functions similar to a, as a hormone. So, I mean, you need cholesterol to produce te- testosterone. So, you know, you do need cholesterol in your diet can you get too much well you get heart hardening of the arteries and things like that and i think also it's the quality of the cholesterol i'm not an expert on cholesterol but um i don't know if you've ever listened to peter atia's um podcast dr peter atia i would he's got some deep dives he's he's really big on on sort of uh teasing out you know the truth about cholesterol I would mm-hmm. listen to a couple of his podcasts where he's interviewing professors that specifically, you know, deal with cardiac issues and, and how cholesterol relates back to it. But I, I, I'm not afraid of cholesterol, but I don't think mm-hmm. I eat enough stuff that's got so much cholesterol in it. Probably the worst thing that I eat is dairy. Um, you know, I'll have a little bit of uh, cream in my coffee and mm-hmm. that'd be the extent of it. And cheese. I have a, terrible cheese habit so i love cheese have a sour cream that's that's okay I like sour for the cream. Most part. yeah i love it you know <laughs> when you look at it if you if you're getting the full fat sour cream i think you're mm-hmm. completely fine you know as long as you're staying away from dairy products that have had the fat removed like low fat or no fat sour cream there's just not a mm-hmm. thing that's not really sour cream so what they do is i'll take skim milk you'll get sort of a fermented skim milk that's got a bunch of hydrocolloids in it. And hydrocolloids are uh, compounds that thicken food like carrageenan and stuff like that. So you're going to get gums and you're basically going to get some water with some gums with some dairy in it that tastes like a little bit like sour cream. So I would avoid those. I would just go, if you're going to have sour cream, have sour cream. Okay. So for the most part, um, I mean, I love what you're saying because it's kind of what I'm already doing. Um, and I love to add in some of those carbs you're talking about, like sweet potatoes and yams. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and I mean, the only other thing is I just don't have the discipline every like once a month, I just feel like I have to go crazy and, you know, have a bunch of beer, eat a mm-hmm. bunch of pizza, ice cream like that. Um, how, how big of an effect is, is that? Is it, you know, how big of a deal? Um, <laughs> cause I, I, I are you I, asking I totally permission, agree. Robbie? <laughs> yes, this sounds like you're asking permission. <laughs> Can I please I, do it? <laughs> I don't, you know what, it really depends on how your body responds to it. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a once a month thing, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to hurt yeah. you. I mean, you're right. going to be able to get back into keto, um, you know, fairly quickly. And, you know, if, if it's a once a month thing, why not? I mean, yeah. seriously, your life is about, you know, enjoyment. We're here for such a short period of time. Um, you know, why, why make ourselves miserable? Totally. Well, the other interesting thing you said, um, I never thought about this before was I used to have, I used to need a nap every single afternoon, Mm. like around three or four o'clock, I would just crash. Mm. Um, and now that I've been on keto, I haven't really had that desire. Um, and you mentioned that earlier. So that's a pretty common thing that you found. Um, oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And what it ha- what happens is your body, your body is starting to, to deplete, um, you know, deplete the glucose and you just get sleepy. So absolutely. Like if you're burning, I like to think of it this way. So, you know, the saying, the, the, c- the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. I mean, mm-hmm. I would look at that. Like when you look at like, when you look at burning fats, like burning fats is a really slow, but steady, um, energy source, right? Like if you want to get wound up, drink a bunch of sugar, or if you want to just conduct an experiment, give a kid, a child, a bunch of sugar. Like if you give them a Coke or something like that, the next thing you know, you've got like, you have a maniac on your hands. Like they're running yep. around the room and screaming and it's like, settle down. And mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of shows you the different types of, of energies that you can get from, from a food source, you know, like you're going to get slow and steady from fats, but you're going to get these huge spikes from, uh, from sugars and high glycemic carbs that are going to take you up super fast, super high. And then they're just going to drop you off. And that's what happens about two or three in the afternoon when you're like, oh, I can't do this anymore. And that's when you run in and having a shot of, uh, of espresso and <laughs> trying to wake <laughs> yourself up. But you won't get that. Yeah, you don't get that from keto because your body is still consistently burning fats and you're not running out of energy. Gotcha. What are, any, any thoughts on coffee? Um, obviously, just black coffee is kind of what I've been doing. But uh it's, uh, I, I, for no, a lot of intermittent fasters, they kind of like, it's the only thing you can have really during the fast anyways, coffee or tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I notice when I drink coffee, I kind of have the same sort of thing that happens when I drink diet Coke because I'm just always right. running to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's a diuretic. Um, yeah, I, coffee, I mean, if I said anything negative about coffee, I would just be, be a hypocrite. Like I mm-hmm. love I love coffee. That's how I start my morning. Um, yeah. I usually cut it off at about noon, like afternoon. I won't have any caffeine. Um, I think that's the, I don't know. I like coffee. I hear different 
people's opinions on it. Some people say that coffee is very good for you. Um, you know, that it helps with circulation. And I hear other people that say, if you drink too much coffee, what can happen is you will tax your adrenal system and, you know, your hormones will start getting out of whack. I think all things in moderation. If you like to have a cup of coffee in the morning, have a cup of coffee in the morning. If you're having a sure. cup of coffee at 3 p.m. because you're tired, now you're using it as a substance. I would right. say, you know, but I would say all things in moderation and coffee would be one of those. Okay. And do you have any um, thoughts on different, I, I know you talked about wind sprints. Um, I had totally forgotten about that. And I have a, many friends and clients who have, who swear by wind sprints. So I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to go do some after this call. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was your experience doing, you know, different sort of workouts, you know, high intensity interval training versus heavy lifting, anything like that. Mm -hmm. And hold on one sec. Someone's banging at the door here. They want to come in and join us. Yeah. I think it's the cleaners that are here early. Uh. All right, we're good. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, and then so what was the question you just asked me again? Yeah, well, do you have any thoughts on, oh, on workouts? Words, uh, yeah, high intensity interval training. We talked about a little bit sprints. Um, what about mm -hmm. heavy lifting? A lot of people, you know, if they're if they're trying to build muscle, mm -hmm. um, they'll do things like carb backloading or they'll carb up, um, you know, carb cycling, all that stuff. I'm probably butchering mm -hmm. the names, but yeah. Yeah, no, you're not at all. Actually, I I'm not a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't really have any desires to be a, desires to be a bodybuilder. But what I can do, what I can tell you about my workout routine, um, <clears throat> my work, I, I like to work my core. You know, so I mean, I do a lot of sit ups, I do a lot of push ups. Um, you know, I try to run every morning. That would be that would probably be five days a week. And in, in between those week, in between those days, like on Tuesdays, Thursdays, that's when I do heavyweights And I use the heavyweights to build muscle, but I also like to do a lot of squats too, because I think that keeping, you know, I think a person's core is really, you know, in the, in their, you know, ab area. But I also think having strong legs, I mean, is really is key to having a, uh, stability in your entire body. So as far as workouts go, I mean, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Like if you're trying to be a bodybuilder, your workouts are going to be completely different. If you're just trying to keep fit and keep toned, I, I would, I think that, that doing high intensity training a couple times a week, um, you know, in intermingle it with the you know, with weightlifting, I think if you break it up, that's the best thing that you do. Wind sprints though, wind sprints are badass. I would, yeah. you know, I would always recommend, uh, wind sprints, you know, at any time, cause those get your heart rate going and it's painful while it's happening. But when it's done, you're like, hell yeah. Yeah. You feel great. 
I, <laughs> I have a dog and he likes chasing me. So a little added benefit. <laughs> he gets a, a workout in. Yep, totally. <laughs> but, yeah. And then and then he sleeps better at night and you totally. sleep better at night. Nice. Yeah. So thanks so much for all, all the, uh, the info. I mean, just from a selfish sure. perspective, this has been insanely uh, valuable and, and timing oh, is perfect because I'm trying to slim down a bit here. But um, so what's, what's next for Guy Gone Keto and what are your, you know, what, what are you doing with the company or anything exciting happening soon? I'm just going to make more stuff. I'm just going to mm-hmm. continue to nice. make more stuff that I like. And if people like it, I think that's going to be awesome. If they don't like it, then it probably won't sell. And I'll probably just keep it all for myself. But there's one, probably the next thing that's in the pipeline for me is really sort of abstract, but it's, it's fun and it's called keto mouth killer. And it's actually a tooth powder because a lot of people, what's, what's a tooth powder? Just something it's you like, put a powder. yeah, no, you just, so instead of like, you know, toothpaste where you just put it on your toothbrush, mm-hmm. this, you just actually dip it into a powder and brush your teeth that way so i mean it's Hmm. sort of old school like that's how they used to brush people brush their teeth back you know at the turn of the the 19th century so they would use tooth powders because they didn't think of using paste i like it because it gave me the flexibility to add compounds that that you're not going to find in normal you know toothpaste you know like i use some antimicrobial stuff i use a lot of different types of salts Um, because what happens is like, if people are in keto, a lot of people have, you know, coined the, the, the term keto breath, you know, you're you're like, Whoa, what's, what's going on there? (laughs) Um, this I designed specifically to neutralize that. Um, Mm. and so I don't, I'm kind of excited about it because I love the product. So that's cool. How do you, <laughs> well, how do you, t- how do you test something like that? You just have a bunch of people on keto like, trying it and then breathing on people or there's probably a more scientific way I'm guessing. Yeah, I think that people know when their breath smells like crap. So <laughs> if, if people could tell them or it's just a taste you have or something like that, but yeah, yeah. I, anytime I'm developing something, I'd always do like a lab lab version of it so maybe i've got a couple hundred samples and then i just mm-hmm. send it out to people that are like hey you know put me on your list and then i like to get their feedback you know mm-hmm. i mean with every product that i do i do that because i mean it's free like people always yeah. want free product right. and it's like here i'll give you this free product you tell me what i can do to make it better and mm-hmm. then i can get a bunch of opinions at once put it into a database and see what the see what the common issues are with it to, to make it better and go from there. So yeah, with the keto mouth killer, I got it out to a bunch of people and they're like, a lot of them didn't really like it because I have activated carbon in it. And so mm-hmm. when, you know, when you're brushing your teeth and you spit it out, it's, it's black. Um, oh, really? So a lot of people are like, <laughs> yeah, that's weird, but it really yeah. helps with tooth whitening. It really helps with, you know, uh, amazing sort of antimicrobial, characteristics so mm-hmm. i'll stick with it i'll send you some yeah i'd love to try it <laughs> uh, you know it's weird i don't notice uh, i don't notice anything about my breath mm-hmm. um my girlfriend hasn't noticed either she would tell me if, if she did um <laughs> is it possible that some people just don't get that effect from it yeah i think it's probable that some people don't get that effect i don't get it either like i've never had anybody you know back away and say what the hell happened here and <laughs> i i mean i don't get that um mm-hmm. but it you can get certain like a certain metallic flavor in your mouth 
Um, yeah. And this just this just wipes it out. So I like I like to call it keto mouth killer, but it's just not to make somebody's breath smell better. Um, right. I think it also helps with neutralizing, you know, a lot of the 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 lipids, like the fats and stuff that you're you know that you're consuming on a daily basis. Um, I like it. Okay, cool. <laughs> so where can people pick this stuff up? Um, they can go to guygonketo.com. If you go there, get on our list, let us know if you want to be, you know, if you want to be a person that tries our products, be part of our team. Um, so you can go to guygonketo.com. If you want to check me out on the socials, guygonketo on any of the socials. Um, if you want to see what I do for a living, because Guy Gone Keto is my side hustle. You can just go to iconfoods.com. Uh, check us out there. Direct message me, email me. I'll get back to you. Awesome. Well, yeah, guys, you know, give this stuff a try. Uh, I think it's awesome. I love it. Um, and uh, Tom, thanks so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom. It's been, uh, it's been super valuable. Well, thanks, Robbie. I appreciate you having me on. It's a great conversation. Thanks for listening. If you want more, go to innerconfidence.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for the latest episodes.